The following podcast is a Bostic Media production. She's a lifestyle blogger extraordinaire. Fantastic. And he's a serial entrepreneur. A very smart cookie. And now Lauren Everts and Michael Bostic are bringing you along for the ride. Get ready for some major realness. Welcome to the Skinny Confidential, him and her. Aha! All right, all right, all right. Back again. Back with the intro. Back with the intro. I am Lauren Everett's. And I am Michael Bostick. I feel like I should maybe say I'm Lauren Everett's Bostick, but you know. I mean, it's a cooler name. Really? Bostick's a much stronger name. I feel like we need to take a a vote on this. I hope your dad's listening. Much stronger name. Really? Bostick Everett's. Really? Bostick Everett's. If you guys agree with Michael, leave a heart, a yellow heart emoji on his Instagram. I don't think a lot of people are going to agree with you. I kind of like Everett's. Well, if they don't agree with me, they don't, they don't have any kind of style or All right. well, taste. I'm Lauren Everett's Bostick, the creator of The Skinny Confidential, which is a book, a blog, a brand, a podcast. I'm Michael Bostick, entrepreneur, businessman, podcaster. What else am I? You're definitely, definitely a Chihuahua Whisperer. Chihuahua Whisperer. You have to add that every time because I feel like that's your main job. Um, so today we have a super interesting guest. Her name is Julie Solomon and she is a podcaster over at the influencer podcast. We know a lot of you guys are influencers, so it's important for us to really talk to people in that arena and, um, you know, just kind of get down and dirty, give you some realness. So with that, I feel like we just will get right into this episode because it's kind of a long one. Um, take out your composition notebooks if you're a blogger because you'll definitely want to take notes from Julie. Or any business owner, honestly. We get into a lot of stuff that can be applied to anyone running a brand or business. Yep. Thank you, Michael Bostick. Yeah, I just want, I don't want anyone to feel alienated, you know? No one feels alienated. I can't imagine that everyone that's listening is an influencer. No, but That'd we have a lot of influencers. We have a lot of influencers. No, some of those people are out there like me, just young hustlers, just getting it. I love a hustler. A lot of Julie's tips, though, can be applied to social media in 2017. So with that, I want you guys to meet Julie. This is the Skinny Confidential, him and her. Today, we have Julie Solomon of the Influencer Podcast. On her site, she provides influencers with badass content. You guys have to check it out. Her site is known as a destination for blogging, branding, and growth strategy. As a brand and influencer in 2017, it's kind of a one-stop shop. I really loved her latest post on why I rebranded my blog and tripled engagement. Her new blog is beautiful, you guys. She also hosts courses, one being Pitch It Perfect, Create a Killer Press Kit. Julie also spoke alongside me at Simply Stylist, Influencer and Branding Conference in LA. And not only is she a hustler, she's also really pretty and cute, and she's a mom. So she's just a real go-getter. With that, I will introduce you guys to Miss Julie Solomon. Welcome to the show. Well, hello. Can I just put you in my pocket and have you go with me and just introduce me that way with everybody that I meet? I wish that's how you would introduce me, Lauren. Oh, no, like, Every time I show up somewhere, just introduce me like that. Here's my hemorrhoid. Here's that guy. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so for those of you who are out there that don't know Julie, introduce yourself to the audience. Tell us your background, how you got where you are. Sure, yes. So um, as you've already so greatly put it, um, I am in 2017 um, really kind of an, an influence, an influencer marketing strategist 
influencer influencer marketing expert slash student because I feel like this industry is evolving every single day. So at, at the same time that I try to be as much of an expert as possible, I, I'm always a student and trying to learn. My background is in publicity. So I actually started after I graduated college in Knoxville, Tennessee. I'm originally from Nashville. I moved straight to New York. I'd never been there. Um, kind of hustled through this weird like Google thing that I figured out to try and get a job got a job working at one of the top music PR companies at the time so I was assisting under uh, a publicist that did and still does to this day Lenny Kravitz Maroon 5 Pink so really kind of got thrusted into this you know uh, traditional music PR national kind of uh, big PR space did that for a couple of years um, went back to Nashville because I had an opportunity to work in-house at HarperCollins Um, so did that and kind of Still did what I did on the music side, but was then starting to work with authors. So I started doing a lot of book publicity, whether it was a celebrity or a thought leader or um, a spiritual advisor, um, what have you. They would put out all of these fantastic books, and we would work on making that book a best-selling success. So I did that for a few years, then decided I wanted to kind of go out on my own. So me and another girl from HarperCollins left, co-founded our own book publicity firm, and started doing that um, for a couple of years, was still moving and shaking and of course during this time on the back end you know social media online marketing digital marketing all of that was starting to become more and more of a thing when I first started out in New York Twitter didn't even exist it was just Facebook at the time that was 2007 I remember when the first uh, iPhone came out I was at the Mac store by Bergdorf Goodman in New York City. So influencers were still kind of new then oh so new I mean there might have been like at the time like Pitchfork was a music blog Okay. But that was like it. That's vintage. Yes, very. And But at the same time, it was just 10 years ago. Like, we, we it feels like it was 50 years ago. That's the internet. But still, you've exactly. been in the space a long time. I've been in the space a long time. I didn't even that long. Yeah, yeah. Because I graduated in 07 and immediately started. And then even in college, I had a real, I had a lot of really awesome internships. Um, so, you know, left HarperCollins, co-founded OMG Publicity, was really focusing on books. But during that time, met my now husband, who lived out here. I was still living in Nashville. And he was like, look, I want to have a baby. Like, I'm going to knock you up. Ah. And in order to kind of do that, like do this thing, like we're going to have to be in the same city, right? So um, I remember like I had actually been married previously to that, had gotten a divorce. I had married my college sweetheart. That didn't work out. And I remember my mom being like, okay, so like you're 27 and divorced and you're going to move to LA to marry this divorced actor who's 15 years older than you and you're going to have his baby. Sounds like a great idea. I feel like that does sound like a good idea. And I was like, (laughs) yeah, that's what I'm going to do. So I did that. We got married and then he knocked me up like he said he was going to. And I found myself in LA barefoot and pregnant. And, you know, my husband's an actor, so he's on set. He's doing all of this stuff. And I was still doing my PR thing, but I was like, I need to meet some people. Like, I need to get out and connect and, like, be me. Um, so I did what every pregnant girl in L.A. does. I started a blog because that's <sighs> that's what. What was the blog on? It was, at the time, it was this motherhood. It was still juliesolomon.net, which it still is today. But it was, like, it was a publicist spin on motherhood. That was the tagline. So I would have, like you know, I I guess I was trying to like infuse the PR side with like motherhood and lifestyle, but then quickly just started doing what everyone else was doing. Like I had my son, um, we were moving and shaking with that. I was still doing the motherhood stuff. Reward style started. The affiliate marketing stuff started happening, like to know what started happening. So I was trying to kind of fuse all this in. And I remember that I kind of caught myself like 
doing what everyone else was doing. I was just kind of subconsciously consuming what all of these other influencers and bloggers were doing 2013, 2014-ish. And of course my husband saw right through that and he would always say to me, we always laugh about it because the first night that he met me, he put me in his phone as Julie publicist. I'm like, how many Julies? were in your phone like that he was like julie publicist nashville i was like that's awesome you had to do that with lauren too <laughs> there's been a couple you had about 40 yeah. laurens in yeah. your phone so i was like okay so we always laugh he always calls me julie's publicist but he would always say like you need to always stay julie publicist like that is who you are like that is your brand it's not just what you do but that is your brand and i would be like you don't know what you're talking about like i'm gonna do this momhood thing everybody i'm a mom expert now everyone's gonna know when i know my mom but no one cared you know so it's like you would see all these or I would see all these bloggers like growing fashion bloggers, beauty bloggers, that sort of thing. And I was still hustling because I am like, I'm kind of, I've always been like the turtle in the race. So I was doing that and it just kind of wasn't connecting. And I had a good friend of mine, Jennifer Jaden, who you may know, who I adore. She came over to our house to, I think she was teaching my husband Periscope or something. She was just coming over and she would always kind of pepper that. And she would be like, Julie, I think that if you started giving people PR tips and like marketing tips and strategy tips, you would see like a shift in like your engagement and a shift in like what people want from you. And I was like, really? Like that just, that's so like not sexy. Like, like who wants to like follow Julie publicist? Like I'm Julie motherhood spin on publicist. That doesn't make any sense. Right. So she was like, I don't know, maybe. And so I kind of thought about it for a couple of months, still wasn't doing that because with the motherhood lifestyle thing, I was able to generate a lot of brand deals for myself because of the fact that I was a publicist and I had all these great relationships and I knew how to pitch myself. So even though there were these bloggers that were amassing at the time, 50,000, 100,000 followers and were even getting brand deal offers, they had no idea what to do once the offer came in. They didn't know how to negotiate a deal. They didn't know how to write a contract. They didn't understand invoice exclusivities none of that and so they would always as friends and colleagues would come to me for that and so I was like okay well maybe like maybe Jennifer's on to something like maybe I should do like a post so I think I did a post one spring that was like the top five PR tips you know for an influencer without a team or something like the top five tips a blogger must know and it just like skyrocketed so I was like okay there's my answer and so at the time I was also kind of going through some internal stuff with just like my annoyance with reward style and just with affiliate marketing in general and how much time that we bloggers and influencers spend on building up their brands and not getting anything in return. So I did kind of a little bit of like business soul searching and like influencer soul searching and figured out like, okay, what I do best is Julie Publicist. I can teach people how to pitch themselves. I can teach people how to be more connective. I can teach people how to think and feel for themselves so they never have to use an affiliate marketing company ever again or someone like me ever again. They can really sustain a long-term business as a blogger if that's really what they wanna do. I can teach that. So why don't I do that? So I rebranded and I kind of became like a blogger for bloggers, an online educator, Julie Publicist, that sort of thing and that's what the business has become now so it's funny when you niche down in. what happens yeah right like, yeah talk about this a lot what is coming from traditional pr and now working on influencer pr or, or in the in the digital space what are the differences if there are any because i know pr is a little bit tricky for, especially for those who are not so familiar with how to do it properly right i always say say this um you know tips and tools and resources and products and services 
those all may change. You know, um, the way that we use Instagram today may not be the same way that we use it two, two years from now. Um, the magazines that we used to pitch for product placement or for placement of, you know, musicians or authors getting in to get their services featured may not be the best route today, but the strategy remains the same. So as long as you get super clear on understanding the formula to communicate, to communicating with people, to building those relationships and really understanding the strategy behind pitching and behind marketing yourself and really being your own publicist, then you can sustain whatever kind of fads or trends may be happening. So it's just different mediums, but it's It's, the same strategy. It's always been the same strategy. And, And even, you know, from when I switched from music PR to book PR and then book PR to to being my own publicist as a blogger, the strategy always remained the same. And that's why I was always able to, you know, kind of be that turtle to succeed. You know, I wasn't shooting up thousands and thousands of followers a day, or I wasn't getting tens of hundreds of thousands of dollars in brand placements, but consi- but that consistency was there. And it's because the strategy was strong. Let's talk about the strategy. Let's really dive into what that strategy is and what it entails and how you give content on your site about the strategy. Like, get really into it. Sure. So you want to talk about pitch strategy specifically? Let's talk about pitch strategy. Let's say I'm a new, I'm an influencer. I'm just starting out. I've amassed a following. Mm -hmm. It's not huge, but it's niche. Yep. It's engaged. What's my next step when okay. I want to start working with people? Yes. So the first question that I tend to always get is like, first, how, how can I grow? How can I make money? So I say, okay, before you ask me that, before you pass go and po- before you collect $200, I want you to tell me who are you talking to? That's always my first question. A lot of times people stare at me like I have 15 heads because I always say, if you're talking to everybody, you're talking to nobody. So you got to get super freaking clear on exactly who it is that you're talking to so you can figure out how you can best serve them, how you can be that solution provider for them. Um, The other three questions that you want to ask after you figure out who you're talking to, you want to ask then yourself, what do I do? How can I help them? And where can they find me? How can they contact me? If you're putting out a great product or service, but there's no email or contact form, then how are you going to build that relationship? Or if you know who you are, but you're not able to effectively share that very well, you can't speak your audience's language, you can't use the proper trigger words to really attract them to you, then you're not going to be able to do your job. So the first and foremost is about getting super clear on who your audience is. I actually have a free worksheet on this. If you go to juliesolomon.net forward slash newsletter, you can get a free worksheet that helps you attract your core audience. Um, so you can go there, you can fill that out. That helps you kind of take that first step. Then the second steps, the, th- the, th- the three questions to ask, okay, so I know who this person is. And I actually like to give the person a name. Like my audience, her name is Allison. She's 27 years old. She majored in PR and marketing, but now she's probably dabbling into blogger and influencer space, but she kind of has a good knack with, you know, design, style, that sort of thing. Um, she's engaged, but they don't, they're not married yet. She wants to have kids in the, in the long-term future, but not the near future. I get so super specific about who my audience is oh my god I have a poster board I know exactly like you get down to like what nail polish color oh, she's yes. wearing uh, what what's the last YouTube video she searched I, for? you and I are so on the same page I want to know what kind of car she drives mm-hmm. what time she goes to work what she likes in her coffee like I'm the same way I think yep. that's so important you guys that are listening what she just said is that you really need to take that poster board or piece of paper and write down 
on exactly who you're writing to because once you have that picture of that person, you write and it just flows because you know who you're writing to. Yes. And and it's also easier to you because it is so much harder. And this is like when I went back to like, if you're talking to everybody, you're talking to nobody. It is so much harder to stand in a void and try to just talk to the darkness, right? Just spewing it out. It is so much easier for me to say, my audience is Lauren and I'm going to talk to her today. I can have a much more concise and clear and receptive and attractive conversation if I make that audience one person as opposed to trying to talk to everybody. Okay, everyone, like that's this is where you pull out your composition notebook well, and take I notes think because is, that is so true. It also, it doesn't just, I mean, a lot of influencers or potential influencers are listening to this, but it also applies to brands and businesses. You need to know your customer the same way you know your consumer or your reader. Absolutely. But when and you that's, think that's of like yourself as a brand. Yeah, a lot, of, a lot of brands, like they launch and they say, I'm, this is, who's your market? And they say, well, every Everyone can use this. Okay, well, you're going to have a difficult time. Right. Then you've lost it. And that and that just kind of goes back to, I mean, that's sales 101. That's business strategy 101. That's marketing 101. Totally. And so I think that it, it's getting super clear about who it is that you're talking to and then making it clear on exactly who it is that you are within that and then how you can serve them and where they can find you and really understanding that at the end of the day, like your blog, your Instagram, like it is not about you. It has nothing to do with you and everything to do with the people that are consuming the content that you're creating. Value. Yes, everything. And I think that that's the number, that's that's a, a big hiccup because a lot of times, and this kind of goes back to with the disconnect that people have, well like, well what's the difference between a personal brand and a blog brand? Is it the same thing? Is it not the same thing? Do I have, and I say look, like if you are your brand, if you are creating a service for someone to, to inspire them, entertain them, educate them, um, give them some kind of behind the scenes to something, some kind of how to, you are your brand. Yeah, you know, I think anything have, with a personality is a brand. Is a, absolutely. There's a lot of people that don't make that distinction. Like if you just have a random product, I don't know if you're selling sneakers, like right. that, that's not a personal brand. But if you, anything where you're contributing, like even if you're an editor or you're a writer, like that's a personal brand. Exactly. Yeah. And I like, and you learn are a perfect example of that because the Skinny Confidential, they, it has subsets. Like you have a book, you have a podcast, you have subsets to Thank you. that core brand. But you, at the end of the day, you are Skinny Confidential. Like you live it, you breathe it. You have been that ever since you left San Diego and you were like trying to figure out how to like ball on a budget with your health. Like, I mean, you know, like that's who you are at Thank your core. You. Very nice. And that's why you always, like I always say, like the cream rises to the top. That's why that's why the ones that are able to sustain that distinction of of knowing who they are as a brand and knowing who they're talking to and how they can best serve them, those are going to be the influencers that we see around five months from now, five years from now. Totally. And that starts with self-awareness and knowing exactly who you are and being comfortable with sharing exactly who you are. Yep. I know, like I say this all the time, I'm not for everyone. Like mm-hmm. I say the word blow job like I, I I have a bad mouth um, but I treat my audience as my friends so I'm speaking the same way I would speak in front of my friends right now that might not be for everyone but I think when you're able to be yourself that shines through and like you just said it rises to the top absolutely and um, a, a friend of mine who who I look up to so much in this industry in the online education industry is a girl named Jasmine Starr and she always talks about that she calls it re- attracting and repelling you have to give yourself permission for people to not like you you have to give yourself the self that you, you have to give yourself 
yourself and your brand the space that it needs to repel those who aren't going to benefit from you so you can make room for the for those who are going to be attracted by it. I'm Don't glad you, you think just that put requires like a, patience? Yeah, I'm glad you put a scientific name behind that because yeah, I've been trying to I figure... Like I've been doing a lot of repelling, yes. I think. No, I think yeah. that requires patience, but I also think it requires practice. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and I um I, I love Jasmine for that and I have to give her, give her credit for that idea of attracting versus repelling. And she talks about it. Google her. Google Jasmine Star attracting and repelling and you'll find she she talks beautifully on that but specifically she says you know if someone if they don't like you if they don't like the way you talk if they don't like the way that you style your hair if they just think that you're fat and ugly and that you're a loser like good get out of my way then so then I can attract those who can really benefit from what I have to say and what I'm here to do it's difficult though because you know you see you see people online now it's really easy to see what everyone's doing right you just right. you look at a page and you're like wow I'm like really inspired by that or wow this person's really killing it and so there's this tension where you feel like okay I need to be like that or I need to act like that the problem is when you're conforming yourself and you're not being yourself it leads to a lot of unhappiness so you're trying to please everybody and you end up pleasing nobody absolutely and I'm, I'm kind of a recovering people pleaser and it was so interesting that you used the word conform because I had Jasmine Starr on my podcast and I titled it resisting conformity because that's what she does and it's so true like you hit the nail on the head with that that the more that we and it really kind of goes back to our psychology it's like comparison and all that the way that I see that when people start to get like how do I like the comparison game and how do I get away from that and how do I be authentic and I'm like authenticity comparison that's a spiritual condition so like if you can't figure that out like if if you're that's step one that's step one like if you can't find it within yourself like if you're sitting here doing this all day, just scrolling and consuming other people's lives because you don't want to deal with your own shit and it's kind of like your hot potato, it's like, I don't want to deal with me, so I'm going to just pass it on to somebody else and just sit here and scroll on my phone all day. You're doing nothing but stealing from those who really need you the most because you're not really stepping up to the plate and living your true brilliance. I think that is so genius because I call what people do sometimes on the internet chameleons. Yes. It's like they'll find someone and they'll chameleon themselves to be like that person mm -hmm. as opposed to just having a real conversation with themselves and figuring out who they are and what makes them tick they'll like kind of take on other people's personalities so how you can practice this in your real life I feel is when you're around someone instead of chameleoning to their personality and making them feel comfortable and I've had to learn this the hard way by the way but just really being yourself and it, like I said you're not going to be for everyone you're not going to like everyone you meet in person mm -hmm. the same way goes on the internet not everyone's going to like you you know right. what's difficult though us three at this table we have the benefit of being of an age where we grew up and got to develop our personalities and ourselves before social media was so in your face right, right. like we, lauren and i were speaking at a high school the other day we were joking all the kids were on snapchat and on instagram and insta stories and snap stories and i just was like oh my god if this existed when we were kids done so you know <laughs> disaster a, yeah disaster right i don't even want to know no like it would I, my credibility might be in question yeah. i would be naked on the bar at 21 taking shots i would 200%. be naked under the bar on the floor yes. but you know the, the problem is naked. yeah a lot of these kids they they've known nothing but social media right? right so like how do you know for them that are listening like they don't know okay what's the healthy balance they've never had anything but that in their face exactly and i think that you know i'm 30 i just turned 33 so to kind of age myself like i graduated from college in 2007 i remember being a sophomore in college in 2005 and getting my first facebook account and my, my best friend from high school went to the university of tampa and she was like have you heard about facebook yet i hadn't gotten to the university of tennessee yet and then moving to new york i remember seeing kind of the steps and the, tra the 
progression of all of that. But it's interesting now because I have a younger brother and sister. One is still in high school. He's 17 years old. And then one is a sophomore at the University of Alabama. And the way that they consume social media versus the way that I've done it is completely different. Even my 25-year-old cousin, like half the time I'm like, I don't get this. And she's not that much younger than me, but she's like, here, girl, just stop. Like, you know, and she'll like go into my Instagram or fix something or do something. So it, it's it's interesting how how more compact just generationally totally. that consumption is getting and really how um, how much of a part of just, it's kind of just like breathing. Like I breathe air and I check my Instagram. Like yes. that's just what we do. You guys do. remember when Facebook, because 2005 was when I first got to, when you would have like the little digital camera and then you would upload the entire album yes. to one, you know, can you imagine if you did that right now? No editing, like nothing, no, like just no reducing like the noise, like no turning down the temperature, no just, taking out colors nothing. in dark room, yeah, no just, face tune. <laughs> you just put in that SD card and then upload the entire <laughs> thing. And you're like, yeah, look what we did last night. Cool. Wow. I, yeah. I think I deleted those albums off your Facebook. Yeah. Well, that, thank you. <laughs> so what I notice between a lot of successful people that we talk to on the podcast is one of the main themes, and I see this in you, is getting resourceful. Yes. And I want to talk about resourcefulness for a second. What ways have you had to get resourceful with this new landscape of the internet and social media? Yeah. See, I think I've always been resourceful. I I, I don't know if it's just kind of part of like the way that I was raised or just like seeing my mom be a single mom and be so resourceful. Like I just, I always knew that like, if I, that kind of like, if you want it done right, give it to a busy person. You know, it's like, I've always, I've always kind of thrived in that need to want to learn, to want to help myself in a way. Um, And it's always kind of, when I look back on kind of my career, whenever I have been resourceful, it's always helped me out. Absolutely. The first job that I ever got, I wanted to, to reach out to, you know, a really good publicist to learn from. But obviously back then we didn't have like, you had to have like a business card or you had to have Cision, like the media database to get a contact. Like there was no like clear bit. There was no like way to get contacts back then. And so I was like, well, what can I do? Like I know who I want to work with. So I, I downloaded the top 200 billboard pop charts at the time. And I knew from my college years of learning about PR and journalism that there's something that's always, and this can kind of help bloggers today if they're looking for contacts. You can still do this today. I knew that every press release would always have this this saying in it at the top that says for immediate release because that allows the media to know that that what they're about to read is not in embargo they can release it immediately got it so I would put for immediate release in parentheses in google so that phrase would come up together and then I literally went down the list of the billboard top 200 chart at the time and I would say for immediate release Lenny Kravitz because I knew that a press release with Lenny Kravitz would pop up and most likely on that press release, I could find a press contact. And so that's how I was resourceful with that. So I went down the list with like, you know, 10 to 15 top musicians and top actors that like, you know, who would have the best publicist and that's how I did it. And that's how I found their contacts. And that's how I got my first job. Amazing. See guys, I knew you were going to tell a story like that. Yes. And I love so, that. And I you still, mean it didn't all just fall in your yeah, lap? Yeah, it just didn't fall into my lap. But I remember. You didn't wake up like that? Right. <laughs> yeah. I just wake up. But I remember sitting there in my tea tiny New York apartment being like, I don't fucking know anybody up here. I've been up here once in my entire life. If I don't get a job in two months, my parents are going to make me move home. 
Like they're like, we'll help you for two months. And then like, you're screwed. I was like, I can't be living under the Brooklyn Bridge. Like I've got to, I've got to figure this out, Julie. And so I just sat there and like racked my brain and figured that out. And I landed, I want to say I went into like five to 10 interviews and landed a job from that. And I'll still do that to this day. If I can't find a contact to a brand or a media outlet that I want to reach out to, I will go back to that whole four media release for immediate release in parentheses and type whatever Revlon benefit cosmetics, whatever I'm looking for. And nine times out of 10, you may have to search a little bit, but you'll find a contact. I totally agree. Sometimes you have to really put the effort into search. When people mm-hmm. say they can't find something, I'm like, you got to look harder. Right. You, you got to figure it out. Right. You got to figure it out. Because That's you the can. theme of my childhood was yes. figuring it out. Figure it out. And it, when you have to figure things out, you'd be surprised at what happens. What you find. Absolutely. Totally. Yeah. So I think, I think being resourceful in this day and age is is figuring out ways to not just give up so easy. Well, I don't have the contact. I don't have this. It's like, we we are now in a day and age that it is so easy to be resourceful. Like you can find things on social media. You can find things by DMing people. Ask a question. I like, say tweet people too. Tweet people. Yeah. Some people, like, you know, we get a lot of questions and most of the time I'll answer, especially if it's a niche thing that I can provide value to. But if it's some basic question that you can Google, a lot of time I'll just respond Google. Yeah. Some people get pissed, but Google I'm like, it. yeah, I mean, Google it. Google it. I have a problem with how the press releases are now to influencers or how public relation firms reach out to bloggers. I feel that they're doing it the old way and it needs to be more evolved and um, curated for the influencer of 2017. I would agree. And so what I did is I got this thing called Unroll. Mm -hmm. And basically what you do is when I get these annoying public relation things, I forward it to my assistant and she puts it in Unroll. And right now I have 1,900 emails unrolled that I don't get in my inbox anymore because they weren't approaching the influencer in the right way. Mm -hmm. Can you talk about how a brand or a public relations firm should approach an influencer in 2017 or and even why. touch on the mistakes that you see because coming from that space right. without throwing anyone under the bus and right. i know you probably have an opinion on this what mistakes do you see a lot of these companies making or, or how do you see them not evolving right well i will say this the mistakes that the brands make are the same mistakes the bloggers and influencers make and the right strategy that the brands make is this is the right strategy that the brand that the bloggers and influencers should be doing speak on that and that's kind of like we talk a lot about that in my course because the first thing, okay, so like throwback traditional PR, and this is what any like editor or journalist will tell you. If you are pitching them for media coverage, you A, want to make sure that you're pitching the right person. Okay, well, well then how do you do that? Go read something they've written. Shocker, right? Like, oh my, really? Like, well, I have to read something? Yeah. Take five minutes out of your day to read something to make sure that A, they actually cover the topics that you're trying to pitch them, that it's in their, what they call their beat. So clearly if I'm pitching an editor, you know, about a new fitness product that I'm, um, that, you know, I'm, I'm working PR for, I'm not going to pitch the food editor for that. So if I don't have those relationships, if I don't already know that kind of in the back of my head with the relationships that I have, I'm going to have to do, I have to be resourceful and do a little bit of digging. I'm actually going to have to read the articles that these people have written. So many times people don't want to take that first step. They just want to, you know, they want to pass go without, you know, they just want to get the money, get the deal, lock it in, get the coverage. And so I always tell them, well, like, 
have the conversation, like read something that they've written and then go to them and be like, hey, I read this and I really found this interesting and this is why. Or I read this and this was kind of confusing to me and this is why. Or I read this and actually I'm going to challenge you on that. And this is this is a different perspective. What do you think about that? I always have people never go go in asking something from them. You always want to come in with a place of, I read this. I thought it was fantastic. Here are a couple of takeaways that I have. Here's my kind of idea and approach to it. What do you think about that? Is this helpful to you? How can I serve you? Bingo. Let me know. And whether you're pitching a media outlet, whether you're pitching a brand, whether a brand's pitching an influencer, it should always come from a place of never asking for it from anything, doing a little bit of research, complimenting them on the work that they've already done, asking questions about the work that they do, and then see how you can add value to that work. How so are you going to add value to what they do? How can an influencer approach a brand that they want to work with? Uh, for me, I'm a very simple person. I'm straight to the point. Mm -hmm. I think that my blog speaks for itself, and I think your blog should speak for yourself. Yep. So when I approach someone, I say, very simple, hey, I'm Lauren, would love to collaborate. I love your stuff. That's how simple it is. Right. I don't know if that's the right way. Right. I, what if you're just starting out? Right. I would say, you know, again, this is it goes back to those three questions I talked about earlier. This is who I am. This is what I offer. Here's some analytics to back that up. Here's some previous media that I've done to back that up. Here's some previous brand collaborations. Any of that that you have added in, if you don't have any of it, add some kind of expertise that you bring to the table or something different that you bring to the table. This is how you can contact me. What are you looking for this quarter? What is your marketing strategy for the year? What are new products and services that you're putting out? How, how can, can I, I add value? How can I add value yeah, to I that? Your, how your can approach I needs you a little more meat, Lauren. No, excuse me. I didn't, I, I didn't include two. I attached my conversion kit and my press kit. There you go. Yeah, it still needs a little meat. more meat. But right, also, well, you can add meat to it, Michael. Yeah. And you on the brand side... <laughs> Yeah, I'll add some more meat. And on the brand side, what should they do? It's the same thing. Like even, and it's so funny to me, like I'll have book publicists pitch me to cover the book on my website. And I'm like, first off, I'm a book publicist. So like you should probably kind of know that. Second off, my blog, I've never, even when I did motherhood stuff, I never did book reviews on there. So like, and so I just say, Thanks. I'm actually a book publicist who covers online marketing strategies and blog strategies for influencers. You can take me off your list. And I just have it copy and pasted and like, bam, I put it out. Yeah. So the brands are the same way. If you're reaching out to influencers, and again, I know it's gonna, you're gonna have to do your job. I know that sucks, but like have some interns in the office, take half a day to like five, 10 minutes each, actually research these influencers, have them in tiers. Like this is the, you know, uh, this is the top tier. This is the B tier. This is the C tier. These are the, the, the massive influencers. These are the micro influencers. These are who we're reaching out to today. Let's figure out what they do, what they typically cover, how we can contact them and how our products or services can benefit them, their influence and their audience. We've yeah, had sorry. authors reach out to the show and I don't want to like throw anybody under the bus or mention them by name, but a lot of them we've turned down because it's like, hey, I'm coming out with a new book. Put me on your show. And it's just kind of like you get that. You're like, ugh. Right. You know what I mean? Like it doesn't. No, because that's the ancillary. And that's the great thing with a great thing to note with that because kind of coming back from whenever as a publicist, whenever I would just try to pitch the book, unless it was some mass, unless it was like Tony Robbins, right. like some kind of name that you knew or Gary Vee, like you're not going to get in the door that way. You have to, the, the, the book is the ancillary product. 
that's just like the thing that you're going to be able to kind of sell throughout the end. What you're, what you're delivering is really that story and that personal brand that, that made the book happen. Totally. So what you should be pitching is the story and how it's really going to serve their audience. You know, if you had an author, depending on who it was, talking about something that made sense for your podcast, then I'm sure you would have had him or her on. And then maybe you would have plugged the, the book at the end. I'm sure you wouldn't have had a problem with that. But the pitch was off. The delivery was completely Yeah, wrong. it's just, it, it's important for me for, for people to come in and say, okay, if, if you have something interesting to say, while it's interesting to me and it's interesting to Lauren and we want to learn, it's, it's more important to me that it's interesting to the audience. Absolutely. Right? And if it's not, then I'm not going to bring somebody on to you know, just bore everyone with their book, their book pitch. Mm-hmm. You know? And I'm sure you guys can always tell when someone has not listened to a single episode, right? Oh when God. you get pitched. So it's the same thing for these bloggers. If you're pitching these brands, like even if you've, let's say that you're a blogger who's pitching Hourglass for something. Yeah, you may use Hourglass's lip oil, but have you actually looked at Hourglass's social media? Have you looked at their website? Have you gotten an idea? Have you read their recent press releases? Have you gotten an idea of kind of where, where they are in terms of their marketing, new product launches that are coming? coming out? Do you have an idea of what they do online? Yeah, it's important too to make sure that as an influencer that you're working with brands that fits your aesthetic. Yes. So like there's been brands that reach out that I'll look at their social media and to be really real, I don't want to be associated with their social media. It doesn't Mm -hmm. fit with what I'm going to do. I'm not going to direct my audience to their social media when it looks like something that is completely different than what I'm about. Right. I want to talk a little bit about podcasting because it's kind of the same thing. Ryan Holiday wrote an amazing article about podcasting and how podcasters should approach someone they want on their podcast. Mm. And it really falls in line with what we're talking about with um, kind of the influencer way to approach the brand and the brand to approach the influencer. Well, for for him, the, I mean, and for those of you who don't know who Ryan Holiday is, he's a best-selling author. He's written a lot of really good books. Yep. Um, but for him, he was basically making the argument about how not everyone should start a podcast. And I would agree. I think you know, it, it, people. It's just it's a podcast. In my opinion, it's not like Instagram. It's right. not like Snapchat. You shouldn't just jump on. Like you have to have something interesting to say. Not saying that we're so interesting, but you have to have something that you can kind of carry to the audience on a regular basis. And it's, again, it's not always like this show is not about Lauren and I, it's about providing value to whoever's listening. And if you can't do that on a regular basis and you don't want to do that on a regular basis, you want to put the time in, then it may not be the best medium because it's a lot of work as you know. Mm-hmm. And didn't he say though, when you, when a podcaster approaches him, there's a way to do it instead of saying, I have this and I can do this. And it's, it's a way about making um, kind of a finesse. Well, usually the podcaster comes in and says, I have so many downloads. You need to come on my show. It's not like, hey, I want you to come on because I'm really interested in what you have to say. Right. What they do you have? Read his book. Do you right. have a book? Do you want to talk about that? We're really interested. It's, it's more like, hey, you need to help me grow my podcast. Yes. Right. And that's, again the wrong pitch the wrong it's it's all it's 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 all about the delivery and and it it just goes back and that's kind of the reason why I created Pitch It Perfect is because I realized through the whole trajectory of like all the different layers that I've been involved in in this kind of industry I was like people don't know how to talk to each other it's like oh wait you don't know how to write an email Okay, so awareness yeah we have to like really back it up here you know like you don't know how to like how to have a converse an initial conversation with someone and I know that there's people out there that may be introverts or they may not comfortable with it but it's because that stems from the fear of, of them not truly being confident in their ability to do that well, and to have the experience to back it up I mean you're from the south right like, yeah there's there's a there's a certain way that I grew up I think Lauren grew up you grew up probably talking to people that 
has gone out the window now. Like people Absolutely. have lost all common courtesy, right? Yes. Like the things that we say to each other on the internet or the things that we say on social media or the way you interact in person or the emails you send, like a lot of these things, like back in the day, if I did that, like you get punched in the mouth. Of course. Right. People have gotten way too comfortable being assholes yeah that's a good way to put it honestly i also think too kind of staying in line with the asshole theme like when you're emailing someone to work with or you're you know back and forth with a brand it's really important and this is a little thing that i notice that you don't use negative words starting out with unfortunately or i can't Mm -hmm. I always try to spin it in a positive way. Oh, I loved your idea, but here's here. And I don't even like the word, but actually, but it's kind of negative too. Here's some other ideas that we can talk through on a call. I'd love to hear what you think Mm -hmm. instead of saying, I don't like your idea. Let's do this. Right. I think that when you're emailing with a brand or an influencer or a podcast or whatever it is, you maybe need to refine your pitch so there's not a negative tone. Yes, I would I would agree with that completely. And 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 with that, what what's going to come about is a collaborative tone. Yes, and so that's going to say, you know, I like that idea. Here's some ideas that I have. I think that there's a way that we're going to be able to fuse these together. Let's discuss. Yes. And can you talk on that, like how important that is for influencers and brands to make sure it's a collaboration and not just one-sided? I think that it's so important. Unfortunately, I don't see it happen as much as I would like to see it happen. I think that when it comes, I mean, look, at the end of the day, like when it comes to the brands, it's all about the sell through. They've got a certain amount, they've got a certain an X amount of marketing budget, a certain amount of units that they're proposing to, to sell through with this budget. When it comes to influencers, what you're influencing are usually two things. You're either influencing for a brand some kind of conversion rate or some kind of awareness. Some influencers can do both really well. Some can do only one really well. I don't care if you're a micro-influencer or if you have 10 million followers. What do you see? Do you see a lot of people that can do both? Like, Or do you see more one can do more than the other? Yeah, I think micro-influencers probably do both a little bit more just because their conversion rates just naturally are going to be higher. Um, and then I think that there's certain influencers out there who you you just follow them and you're influenced by them because it's kind of like you know we'll take the kardashians for example everyone's enamored by them because it's a life that no one that we could never imagine having but we want to kind of see what that looks like so what they're probably i mean of course i'm sure that they convert like crazy with their own products but they also bring about an awareness that is unlike any other and i think that there's probably a lot of really massive bloggers out there that I mean, that's the other thing that kind of bothers me. A lot of brands don't like to share with the influencers what they converted for them, which I think is completely backwards because how do you expect your relationship to grow and, and the blogger to grow if they don't know their conversion rate for you? Too many one-offs. Well, there's a, yes, diffi- there's it's a difficulty such a one though. And burn. Too many one-offs. There's a difficulty though, like me coming from direct response and like the affiliate space and the marketing yeah. space, right? That's very measurable, right? You can track right. that you can measure it but with an influencer you're kind of getting a little bit of brand story you're getting some right. pr right. you're getting some direct response right. and so you really don't know what the overall picture is and it's still we're not at the place yet where we can measure it fully right but that's because it encompasses so many things like it's not like me turning an ad on running traffic to it getting a sale like that's very measurable right a lot of the way these brands work now especially in the podcast space or in the you know, the influencer space is they want that direct, like, okay, what's the conversion? What's the number? It's like, well, you don't know what ancillary numbers you're going to get from word of mouth, from, you know, people coming back to the blog later or looking at something later, or maybe they're purchasing. It's not the same. So I think brands need to understand that they're not just getting a direct response advertisement Mm -hmm. here. They're not just paying for 
like an ad, right. they're paying for an influencer. They're paying for a personality. They're yeah. paying for another brand of a, a voice. Yes. And cost of production. I had to like school some dumb brand last week because they had pitched me actually for a client of mine that I work with. And they were strictly like, you're going to, this is, it's so ridiculous. So basically what they said is that we had to guarantee a certain amount of new memberships. If she didn't guarantee X amount of memberships, they were going to fine her 50% of the fee that they were going to pay her. Oh my God. Well, I just never agreed to that. No. And I, but, and I, I was, I just basically told them like, have you lost your day? Like I just, I schooled them on like, we're not going to do this and you shouldn't expect anyone to do this. And this is why. And if you're, if you actually have the ethical and moral goal to, to have bloggers and influencers who don't know better sign up for this, I feel really sorry for them because it's, it's collaborations, quote unquote, like this, that is going to be the demise of so many dreams of girls there's, who want to make a business out of this. There's still a big disrespect in my opinion. Totally. Cause I work with a lot of, I'm more, we're talking to the brands a lot. There's still a big disrespect the brands have for this space right? right for the influencer space the podcast space they haven't yet fully accepted they're still very much like traditional pr tv print like all the stuff that's measurable mm -hmm. there's a there's still a disrespect like you would never offer that deal to a jennifer aniston or a kim kardashian no. granted those people are more on the celebrity status they're right. big but you would never go to them and say listen no. We're going to pay you for this campaign. If it doesn't work, give us 50% right. of the money. Even like, when just, we were starting out, though. No. Or you would even never go to Facebook and be like, mm, you know, the, the money that I spent on my Facebook ad, it didn't convert X amount, so I need half my money back. Like, that wouldn't have... If you, if you gave Women's Wear Daily $45,000 for a one-page ad, because that's how much it costs, if you didn't convert X amount of numbers, you would never call Women's Wear Daily back and be like, hey, I need half my money back. It's like buying an eye cream and then coming back and saying, oh, I don't feel or, like this works, this I want way. half my money back. You yeah. would never do a commercial you would never do no. a print ad you would never do a billboard you would never do any type of other advertising and ask for that no. it's just that's what i'm saying there's a level of disrespect still in this space but i think that's going to come at the detriment to a lot of these brands that don't realize hey you should be jumping on this now before everybody realizes the value right. in it and, and then before there's some kind of union and we're all protected and it becomes this more it's it's less and less wild west and it's more this legitimate thing and you have you know companies and agencies that are backing you and know what the F they're talking about and can protect you from it. More than disrespect, I think it's also a communication issue. Yes. I don't feel like there's a strong communication happening between influencers and brands. And as an influencer, what I want to say to these brands is that doing a one-off, like me promoting this peanut butter packet that I'm eating one time is nice and great. But if you want to see strong, strong conversions, I need to use this peanut butter packet in a story and weave it in and have a partnership. Exactly. And I think I need to be the see, spokesperson for this peanut butter. And let me tell the story and let me tell it slow and let me weave it in seamlessly and let me, let me actually enjoy the peanut butter and eat it on toast and eat it with a smooth, like let me show what I'm doing with this peanut butter and instead of just hiring me for a one-off thing let's talk about a partnership that's long term yep. I think what's going to happen here is the smart brands are going to catch on that it is in the partnership speaking of nut butters I'm very much about my raw almond butter packets I've been eating them all the time and they're so cute and perfect you just throw them in your oversized handbag and they're raw with one ingredient you kind of can't beat it either because it's a bunch of healthy fats and proteins. And if you're running late, you can just crack one open, throw it in your smoothie. It's the perfect size. It's mini and cute. So the ones that I have, I got off the site Thrive Market. 
So you guys know if you read The Skinny Confidential, Thrive is one of my go-tos. What I love about it the most, though, is it's 25 to 50% below retail prices. So they kind of just cut out the middleman. The code I use to shop is thrivemarket.com slash skinny, and they have extended it to all of you guys, and it's kind of insane what they're doing. They're going to give $60 of free organic groceries from Thrive Market plus free shipping and a 30-day trial to you guys if you use that code. So that's thrivemarket.com slash skinny. And just let me give you like a couple other things that I love about it. Number one, it's so simple. The site is so simple how it's laid out. You can shop the categories. So they have food, they have beauty, they have bath, body, health, babies. They have pets. They have pets. Oh, whoa. You Getting love some pets. some stuff for the pets. Yeah, we yep. do love pets. You can just kind of go there and do like a one-stop shop and then everything comes to your door. What's even better about it though is if you have like a gluten intolerancy, you can go and you can click gluten-free and all these items will show up. You could also click paleo, you can click vegan, and then everything that you're shopping is either just vegan or just paleo. I like it because, you know, if you have a gluten intolerance, which I don't, but if you have like, say you want to try like a paleo diet for a month, you can go there and just click the paleo section and it'll only give you options for paleo. So for me, it's cool because I like to kind of switch things up and try different diets at different times. And so I know if I go there, it's like, okay, these are the only only items I can get. I feel like the best part about it though is that it narrows everything down. It takes all the guessing out of it. And what I mean by that is, you know how when you go to the grocery store and there's like 6 million things to choose from and all these different brands and you don't know what's non-GMO and you don't know what's fresh, what Thrive does is they only pick things that are fresh, delicious, organic. They really pay attention to ingredients and if you guys watch my Instagram lives, you know I am very much about ingredients. And I also have to shout out to the fact that everything just lands straight on my doorstep. So while I'm working or working out, all the shopping's being done for me. And I especially love the beauty section. I'm not going to lie, but I also do love my raw almond butter packets. So again, Thrive Market is going to extend you guys a code. You just go to thrivemarket.com slash skinny and you're going to get $60 of free organic groceries plus free shipping and a 30-day trial. This is something that I know you guys will love, especially if you're busy and you don't have a lot of time or if you're a mom. It's kind of a win-win and make sure you throw those raw almond butter packets in your cart because you will not be sorry. Okay, I just went on a tangent. Tell me about free shit. I, I, I like when I say free shit, I mean, say someone comes to you and they're like, I want to give you all this free stuff and you're just starting out as a blogger. Mm -hmm. How do you finesse the situation? Um, if you're just starting out, um, I would say first I would go look at their look at their stuff. I would look at their social media. I would see do they typically repost bloggers because if they don't, how's this going to help me? Um, do they cover bloggers on their websites? Do they uh, garner any media? And if they do, do they talk about the bloggers that they work with on the media? Do your homework as to if they're not going to pay me, how can I get paid in other ways? Are they going to help me grow my following? Are they going to help me grow my own awareness? Are they going to help me grow my reach? Is the products that they're giving me is that something that you know if I shine if I sign up with a reward style or shop style I can make affiliate money off of on the That's back important. end like how is this going to help me if they're not going to actually put a paycheck in my pocket um and so that's kind of how I I initially would say that to a blogger if you think it's going to help you grow and if it's something that you would typically wear or typically use and you're just starting out give it a shot, test it out. I'm, I'm a big fan of testing out, but what I would try to do, and sometimes brands don't let you do this, but I would try as much as you can 
to gently require them to repost you. If they come back to you to say, well, we can't confirm that because we don't know what the look is. I'm like, I'll go back and say, look, you came to me. You clearly know what my feed looks like. You clearly know what my aesthetic looks like. You clearly know that I am going to curate really good, high quality content for you. So we need to come, we need to figure something out here. It needs to be a win-win. It needs to be a win-win. And I think a lot of times with, with the gifted stuff, or even a lot of times with the affiliate marketing and like, that's kind of my whole issue, you know, as much as I've used affiliate marketing in the past, you know, you spend so much time using their hashtags, their out mentions, directing links back to their page. And it's like, what are they doing for you? How many times do you, do you get reposted on their site? How many times are they featuring you? How many times are they linking their audience back to your blog? Never. How does this help you? So you really have to figure out what your goal is, what your strategy is. If, if you're just starting out and it's to really grow your awareness, then how is this opportunity going to help you get there? Well, there's also measuring when you're building cash flow. Yeah. And when you're actually building your brand. Yep. So right? true. Like Such one, a good point. One part of that is, okay, I need some cash flow. I need to make money in this business. The other side of that is like, you don't want to do too much of that and build everyone else's business, but your own. Exactly. So tell us before you go about Pitch It Perfect. Yes. Um, so I created, um, kind of when I rebranded um, and really started to listen to my audience and really started repelling those who didn't want to be there and attracting a lot more of those who did, who wanted to learn. I knew that um, when it when it came to a lot of blog bloggers, I knew what their, what their frustrations were. Um, lack of growth, lack of awareness. They didn't know how to pitch themselves for brand deals or when they got brand deals, they didn't know how to negotiate it. They didn't know how to garner free publicity for their business. They didn't know, you know, they may be an expert in something, but they didn't know how to tout themselves as that. So how could I help them with that? And I knew in the same breath, um, they need all of that, but yet, you know, you kind of have three, like at the time I was like, okay, they kind of have like two options. They can either figure it out themselves, which takes so much time. It's a lot of trial and error. Some are able to succeed. A lot more are not, or they can hire a PR team to do it for them. But then you're shelling out anywhere from two grand to five grand a month in a retainer fee. Bloggers, especially bloggers starting out, can, cannot afford that. And my audience tends to be bloggers and influencers who are just starting out or who have just been blogging for a couple of years or some of the big bloggers that are now seeing a plateau. So I knew that in order to serve those two the best, I was like, how can I give them this information and scale it in a way like I can't sit here and consult everybody. I don't have enough time in the day. And all of these people can't afford my retainer fee. And you're selling time. And I'm selling time. So it's like, how can I scale this in a way that is that, that will allow them to retain the information on their own time at their own pace and really allow them access to me in a way that I can manage it so I can really have the quality over the quantity while at the same time being able to constantly grow and repurpose the content as the industry grows and changes. So that's when I came up with the concept of Pitch It Perfect. And so what it does, it basically teaches bloggers and influencers how to be their own publicist, how to pitch themselves to brands, how to negotiate any kind of deals that comes through from brands, how to kind of do that back and forth communication, and then how to land free publicity for their blog and for their brand and business. And is this only for influencers? It's geared towards influencers and bloggers specifically, but any any entrepreneur that is trying to grow a platform online can can definitely get a wealth of information from this. 
So I try to say, you know, if you're trying to grow something, if you're trying to scale something on, on an online or social media platform, this is for you. So if you have a product or a service and it's going to be in the digital space. Exactly. It and it could work for authors as well. You know, if you're trying to, if you self-published a book and you're trying to get it out there, how do you do that? But it is specifically because I was trying to really answer the questions for those bloggers and influencers that I, I tend to speak more of their language in it. But if you're resourceful enough, you can kind of you know, figure that, figure out through that, that if I say blogger, I cannot, you can also throw author in there. Well, this is why fine. a lot of traditional PR companies are in trouble because if you, you know, with all the tools we have at our, t- at our fingertips now, you don't need to get these huge retainers for these big firms. You could do a lot of it yourself. Absolutely. It's, and it's, it's just the internet. It is. And it's part of just my innovation of being a publicist. Like I, I had a friend of mine say like, you know, you're taking yourself out of a business. And I said, no, I'm creating a new one. But that's what the smartest people do. They put themselves out of business first. Yeah. I was like, yeah, I'm going to put myself, I'm, I'm going to tell you. And I just did it actually for fashion week. I created a, a New York fashion week guidebook. I've been to fashion week more times than I wish I could ever. I mean, I, I used to go when I lived in New York cause I would have to take my clients there. Um, I started going as a blogger myself and fashion week has definitely changed over the years. Um, but I did, I just completely took myself out of business. I was like, I have 10 years of contacts to hotels, events, presentations, PR agencies, and that is great for our audience if you guys are going to yeah, Fashion Week. I gave, it's, a, it's a 20 page guidebook, pitch templates, reports, exactly what to say to hotels, to agencies, to presentations, to events. And I give you all the contacts. Genius. And it's updated every day because every season's different because the presentations and events are different. I get all those emails. Amazing. Yep. And I'm like, it's no different than, I'm not, it's like you're selling, you know, someone was like, well, can you sell contacts? And I'm like, it's not about selling contacts. It's just about giving them an easier resource. You could find all this information if you were resourceful enough, if you had the relationships enough, if you had the contacts enough. You've done it for us. But I've done it for you because I've been a publicist for 10 years. I love it. So Where yeah. can they find you? Where can they find all your yes. Pitch It Perfect? Like, tell us. So for Pitch It Perfect, you can go to pitchitperfect.net. I'm actually going to be having a free webinar at the end of September on that. Um, for all the other good stuff, juliesolomon.net. Um, you can also find the course and things like that there. And then on Instagram, at Jules Solomon. And that's J-U-L-S. S-O-L-O-M-O-N. And we'll link everything in the show notes. Yes, thank you. And then, of course, the Influencer Podcast. And you're, you, Miss Lauren, are going to be on it very soon. So I want to make sure that people check that out as well. Yeah, go listen to me. I'll be on it. And she has some great people on her podcast. We were listening to it on the way up. It's called the Influencer Podcast. Thank you so much for coming on. You're a wealth of knowledge. Thank you. Thank you guys so much for having me, as are you. And I love talking shop with amazing people like you. So yeah, it was fun. fun. Next time we have to have champagne, though. Oh, absolutely. Thanks for coming on. Thank you guys again for tuning in this week. As always, we appreciate your attention. We know you have tons of options when it comes to podcasts, content. So just the fact that you choose to stop by and listen to us ramble on, especially me, means the world to us. If you like the show, please let your friends and family know. It helps the show grow and keeps us motivated to keep producing content on a weekly basis. If you happen to go onto iTunes and feel inclined to leave a review, please take a picture and send it to podcast at theskinnyconfidential.com and Lauren will send you an email with some tips and tricks, beauty tips for the guys out there. I don't know if you need them or not, but maybe your girlfriends will like them. Thank you guys and we will be back next week. This episode was brought to you by Thrive Market. Thrive Market is an online delivery service that is amazing because they offer 25 to 50% below retail prices 
they cut out the middleman, and also they take all the guessing work out of buying stuff because they pick the freshest ingredients. They're also offering you guys a code. So if you go to thrivemarket.com skinny, you're going to get $60 of free organic groceries from Thrive Market, plus free shipping and a 30-day trial. So just go to thrivemarket.com skinny. Happy shopping. Happy shopping. 